Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, where we connect leaders in the gaming industry to discuss passions and challenges. I'm Sol, and I'll be your host today, and I'm joined by a fantastic panel to discuss exploring the impact of audio and sound in gaming. Okay, so before we dive into our amazing subtopics today, um, it's only right that we get some introductions to give you, the listener, a bit of an idea on who it is that will be speaking today. So, Craig, could you please kick us off? Uh, so yeah, my name is Craig Owen. I was the lead sound designer on uh, The Cycle Frontier. Uh, unfortunately, that has been sunset now. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware, but uh, I'm allowed to announce it. Um, yeah, and so now we're working on a very big IP that unfortunately I'm not allowed to speak about just yet. Um, the the, uh, the studio hasn't announced it yet, but um, it's a really cool IP. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself and I'm helping kind of um, more of a team lead rather than a lead sound designer. Uh, so kind of uh, mentoring and uh, building up the juniors and uh, yeah, discussing workflow processes and various other things like that with the team. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. And I'm really excited to talk about audio with uh, all these other fabulous audio people. Thank you, Craig. Uh, Florian, could you go next, please? Sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm, I'm Florian Jensen. Uh, I used to work for uh, Crytek about 15 years doing all the crises, so I always say my life has been a crisis, uh, but in a, in a positive way. Uh, and then I dived into VR stuff uh, and finished Hunt Showdown as the last title before departing and uh, checking out uh, the grass is green on the other side and uh, joining the Ubisoft uh, Dusseldorf team. Uh, and now I'm a happy camper there and uh, enjoy working with my colleagues in a really uh, strong and, and big team. Um, yeah, we work in multiple titles. That's just the way uh, Ubisoft is is dealing with. So we, you know, we do this code F. It's called. So there's a lot of like, inter interactions between the different studios. Uh, my first title I shipped with Ubisoft was uh, the Settlers, um, new allies, uh, basically, yeah, coming out. Uh, well, I think now hitting consoles or just hit console version. Um, yeah, so uh, that's me, and I'm also very excited to be here today and uh, talk with people I haven't. Uh, haven't known before so that's always a pleasure thank you so much for having me no problem for and uh, david you next please yeah uh my name is david magnuson and i'm a electing audio director here at clan games in berlin um we are working on an ip called seed this is a lot of people kind of say it's not a secret <laughs> and uh yeah so basically yeah, I'm just looking forward to chat, and uh, you know, always nice to meet uh, fellow audio audio uh, comrades. Cheers, David, and Numel, finally. Yeah, so I'm Numel Lendis. Uh, like Flo, I am working at Ubisoft for a little bit more than two years now. I started as senior audio designer here, and then I transitioned to an audio director. Prior to that, I was uh, working heavily on audio for video games, and I have a very strong uh, background on audio post-production. So I I uh, worked for many, many years uh, doing uh, audio posts for multiple TV shows and feature films. And I then translated those skills into game audio and... I, I got here at Ubisoft and then transitioned to an art director role. Right now I am working on uh, Nexus, that's Assassin's Creed VR. The title has already been announced and I as well worked on X Defiant. It's a game, it's a FPS that it's on open tests and uh, 
has been very successful so far in its tests. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. And I'm super excited to be here and share a little bit of, of audio knowledge with all these very knowledgeable people. Yeah. Thank you very much, all four of you. It's a pleasure to, to host the episode today. I've definitely been looking forward to it. I think it's been quite a while in the making. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, a Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So, without further ado, let's jump into topic number one, which has been proposed by Florian. Uh, you proposed the subtopic of what is your favorite sounding game and why, and which sound takes you back to your youth. So, Flo, do you want to kick us off on why you chose that topic, please? Uh, yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's really about the monster kill or counter-terrorist win, or the good old uh, work-work. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, or uh, stay a while and listen. Um, the the reason I choose this topic is just, it's an icebreaker. It's more like, you know, we, we all geeks on multiple levels. On one hand, we're audio nerds, right? Uh, experts on the audio field. But at the same time, we're still gaming people as well. Uh, and I do enjoy, uh, you know, playing games uh, still today, even though it's my profession and uh, and kind of, you know, kind of biased in that regard so yeah that's why i thought i'd kick it off and uh i don't know it, i had a hard time answering my own question in that regard so i came up with a little bit of a list because there is not never the one and only favorite but uh i think a couple ones well i mentioned you know the stay one and listen is diablo 2 i think i played for the longest uh counter-terrorist win is from counter-strike uh endless matches in my garage with friends uh the ultra kill and monster kill is from uh, unreal tournament and so, but the games I, I want to mention here is like, uh, I think a, an interesting one was Battlefield Battle uh, Bad Company 2, uh, simply because that was a, it's a milestone in how, how the whole FPS uh, audio was treated by DICE. It was fantastic how the gun sounded, the reverb, the whole environment. Uh, they did the first ducking uh, with, their, with their engine and then introduced the HDR audio. Um, and that was fantastic to play. Um, then I think The Last of Us I want to mention because I think it's just a fantastic way to have a linear storytelling game. Very well paced, you have action, uh, you have story-driven moments where there's a lot of dialogue and then there's more sneaking, traversing. It's it's such the nicely shaped, um, yeah, and, and also a recommendation if you ever, uh, if you haven't played it. Uh, and Last of Us, it's a little bit patting my own back, but uh, Han Showdown I want to, want to mention as well because... Uh, the, the landmark there was really getting audio to the absolute forefront of game design. So it's so absolutely crucial. You listen well and out because it, audio gives you so much information about what's happening in the game. Uh, and it's always for me a prime example to say like, hey, if you if you, if you get audio to such a core in the game, uh, it's a fantastic thing. I think you're on mute, so, but uh, I think you said that it's my turn. Um, yeah, the reason I put my hand up was uh, basically just because it was a nice segue. Um, I literally had Unreal Tournament as one of my favorite uh, sounding games. So when you had the monster kill, I was like, oh yeah, I know that. Um, yeah, when I was a kid, I was trying to get into the folders and trying to get their, the sounds of the pulse rifle and stuff like that. It was just blew my mind. And that's one of the reasons I got into sound design. Um, also funny, you mentioned the Battlefield games. I recently watched um, a, a Jack Frags YouTube video where he turned uh, the HUD off. 
and it was just the the visuals and the sound and oh my god it's amazing it's like playing through a movie um so yeah that that was another one that i i haven't actually played that game myself but i'm, I'm thinking i should um and then also i think one of the uh, sort of pinnacle sound design games was um the i can't remember what the the exact name of the medal honor was but it was the one with the um d-day landing it was like saving private ryan and it had that all yes that's exactly it yeah and it had the uh, m1 grand and i think that's literally one of the most satisfying sounds in video game history so um i had to mention that as well um but yeah those are definitely my my favorite uh, games but i mean there's also so many things that you can be influenced by like films like uh, you know the first transformers film that i ever saw i was like what are these sounds you know um so yeah yeah there's a lot of influence for sure uh yeah so i think of all the topics that we're going to be discussing today this is the most difficult for me because it's right it's it's extremely personal thing right and there are like like you guys mentioned there are a lot of great games that have done technically a lot of things for sound in video games, like advancing them forward and have come up with different systems and different solutions that have now been implemented to this day in most of ga- in most of the games we create. But for me, it has to be something that, you know, I really enjoyed playing, right? So the, the thing that touched me the most as a gamer. And, and I think one of the games that... Uh, that did that was Metal Gear Solid, the PS1 game. I think that was fantastic. And there is this very iconic sound game has mm-hmm. when you are exactly. It's like it's like like Mario type of coin sound, right? It's so iconic that that it's it's very easily identifiable. And I think that is great sound design, right? Whatever you can just tell a story with just one sound so i think because of that and because the game is just really really good and i'm very much into that type of games i i have to i have to mention that one but but there are other games that i do like that uh for multiple reasons that i have enjoyed as well that i think sound great as well final fantasy 7 one of them the original game of course the muse the original music is amazing nobuo uematsu did a fantastic job com- composing the music for that game right and then when it was uh, remake recently, uh, the music was as good as it had ever been. And of course, because it's such a fantastic score, it takes over a good chunk of the mix in the game. And I think that's really, really well done because even though there is a lot of music, it's as well super nicely in, impl- implemented and integrated into the gameplays that, that, that makes it that the people that played the original game can can enjoy this one as well. I did enjoy this one as well a lot because of those things. So for me, it's those things. But of course, there are a lot of worth mentioning things like uh, the people from uh, in, working in Activision and Call of Duty, they have done fantastic job with the weapon sounds. They have, you know, uh, worked on 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 many different uh, types of games in 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 you know the um, typical FPS uh, arena shooters or or the bigger ones like Battlefield and so on. So that's that's worth mentioning. And like you said, the, the Last of Us as well, you know, because of all the technological advancement and all the stuff that they have done in those games. So yeah, that's that's for me the 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 best sounding games. Yeah, I can kind of uh come after like uh, for me it's like a kind of different because I'm very much like a soundscape kind of person. You know, I come from basically, I come as you, Numel. I come from post production and film industry and uh, started the game in 2014. And like uh, Journey is like a, one of my favorite games that I like the sound 
uh, music because it kind of just like suits my taste as well. You know, um, there's another game with Limbo. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I am a bit regarding like uh, my, fa- my favorite, you know, at the moment, just to think of something quick. But I, uh, maybe the only question I'm qualified to answer, but I certainly thought of Last of Us when I thought about this question and I threw into that uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, as, a, as a really good sounding game. Uh, and Doom Eternal, maybe just for the soundtrack, because I like that music. But uh, I thought all around it was a, a good sounding game for sure. Um, but I've gone into to question two. Uh, thank you for the question there, Flo. Uh, Craig, this one has been supplied by yourself. Um, you wanted to speak about dynamic audio, especially audio that changes over distance and using perspective with sound, how different sounds can give meaning to weight and scale. So could you give us a little bit more of why you chose that question, Craig? Yeah, that's a good question, because when I saw it written down, I was like, what am I even going to talk about here? Um, actually, it's quite nice to see uh, Florian uh, in the call, because, I mean, Hunt Showdown, as he mentioned earlier, is like one of the best games, um, best sounding games. So I could even open up the floor and and, and get some insights from you and, and how you did some of the... <laughs> maybe delve into some of your secrets. I don't know if you're still under NDA or what. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess uh, some of the things I'd like to speak about is like, um, so in the cycle, we had this huge meteor shower, you know, and this has to be one of the loudest things in the game because it's supposed to draw people's attention. And we had a lot of issues trying to trying to sort this out because you've only got so many decibels of sound that you can, um, that you can, yeah, work with. So... Yeah, I mean, something that I kind of realized is how you get perspective with sound. So, for example, um, if something's very far in the distance, you have to have this sort of low rumbling bass that travels over a distance. Um, but you still need that punch uh, of the high end. But then you have to kind of try and find samples which you don't associate with um, small sounds. So, for example, if you have this huge low rumbling bass and you put the sound of a, a glass breaking, ching, then it sounds all completely wrong. So you have to kind of find samples that work together and can communicate distance. And then as you get closer and closer to these samples, you can start adding layers of detail, maybe some more rocks, maybe some more, I don't know, flame elements. And then as you get closer and closer and closer, you can start adding dust and debris and things like that. Um, so yeah, it was quite a complex um, objective that we that we worked on. And it was something that I was quite proud of. Um, but yeah, it was also something that I wanted to open up uh, to the floor and see like what is one of the most difficult things that um, you know all these lovely audio experts have worked on, and how they managed to you know communicate distance uh, through sound design. Uh, Florian, yeah, I can pick up on that. So I think one thing you already mentioned is like it's really the dynamic range to begin with, right? The the higher dynamic range we have, the better. You get less ear fatigue. Uh, you you it's more emotional it's more enjoyable because people like loud they just don't like loud all the time right but if it's like if there's a big explosion if there's a meteor shower it's a big event you know it's supposed to be loud so you know try to not eat up your headroom with let's say wind and ambiences and stuff so you don't have anything left i think that's a good uh, thing always to do um there's the mixing standard by now with ebu 128 you know to average the loudness on minus 23 loofs over 30 minutes at least to you know give that headroom um and then the other thing you mentioned as well is like transient and distortion is super important to make this like distant stuff loud. Um, if you if you go in attenuations, for example, in Hunt, it's like gunshots. They cross the whole map. They're audible. There's a thousand meter wide space, you know, or in the, you know, if you cross, it's even longer. Uh, so, of course, you need different assets. You need the close one, as you mentioned, with the debris and detail, right? And then, of course, you need the distant version, which is just this typical gun popping, right? Pop, 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 which has just the, the transient 
uh, to carry and, and make it still cut through the mix, even though it's quieter and, and muffled. Um, and I think what really helped Hunt a lot was also a set of attenuation curves. So there was basically, a, we, we used the real drop off from how, you know, the in the real world sound is, uh, is you know, halfened in, in, in pressure over, you know, distance and stuff um, as a baseline. And then, of course, massage them to the gameplay what they needed. And we ended up with a lot of share sets, which were like 100, 70, 35, 50. So the whole mixing process was more of, hey, if my sound is not, let's say, audible enough, I use one of these metrics, right? So we had metrics from the game, like, I don't know, compound dis distances are like 300 meters. So we had some rule sets of space and how we want to put the sound in perspective to it. Uh, so we ended up exactly having those share sets. And then we you could, whenever you did a new sound, you were just, you know, using one of the presets and trying to, and this usually falls in place. If it was a quiet sound, it just had 15 meters roll off. So it kind of fell in. And as every sound kind of rolled off rather quickly, you keep the mix clean too, right? So you have stuff, if it's if a zombie right in front of you, it's really like, and in your face. But as soon as this kind of moves away, it gets a lot more reverb, it gets muffled, it blends into the environment. In the end, it becomes ambient, right? And that's kind of cool because you clean it up while still having that excitement of if, if things are loud and in your face, uh, you, you're definitely going to hear it. Um, and second thing that's more, not so much about the attenuation is, of course, the spatialization, right? If you... If you have the chance to, I don't know, work with, you know, ambisonics, uh, if you have spatial audio to begin with, it's way easier to pinpoint uh, the sources around you, which also cleans up the mix and makes it easier. Yeah, I guess the best example for this type of sounds is definitely FPS, right? F first person shooters. This is the type of games where this type of audio, you know, it's high, you can highlight it the most, right? So... And and the best way to do to tell the player feedback is by sound, right? You don't want to fill your your screen with a lot of UI indicators of what's happening and where, because that's that's extremely annoying. But if you do it right with sound, then you don't really have to do anything like that. So specialization is definitely one of them, but distance is another one. So for example, in these very big games, Battle Royale, so you can tell that there is a fight happening to this side. Of course, they still use the minimap and the, the dots that you can identify in the map whenever someone's shooting and you can still hear them and so on. That's very useful information. But in the end, the one thing that tells the player like there is something going on there is the sound. And that sound, how far, how realistic it is, is going to convey the most information, right? So like Flo said, you have multiple ways to go about this. So you can definitely do tails like you said so that the, the distant shot that's one type of tail but you can do a, a, a blending between different types of tails as you get closer to the sound right and then you of course like you already suggested craig you start revealing different types of layers that go into the sound so the the last layer for example in a weapon sound that you hear that is super close to use the mechanical sound, right? The mechanics of the weapon is, is the one that's the closest. So all these sounds, all these different layers, of course, they're going to share different uh, share sets of attenuations and that's going to help communicate that. But I was also thinking in different types of games, like for example, a little bit more narrative games, like think about a game with cinematics and this is definitely coming from my background as, in, as uh, doing post for audio and films and all that. One, element that is extremely powerful to convey um, size and to convey as well like how how big and how impactful something is is definitely silence if you have a silent event 
right before a big event. It doesn't, of course, a lot of games lately ha are highly compressed and you want your game to sound loud and all that, but you can still convey the feeling of, okay, although you don't have such a dynamic mix, which ideally you would, right? But sometimes you just have to compress because, you know, maybe your medium is, say, a mobile game. You can still convey, you know, impactfulness and size with silence as a tool. So before going for a big event, then maybe try to suggest that we can, I don't know, reduce or just mix out the music or mix out the ambiences or mix out whatever is happening before the big event. And that already is going to, to, to help, like, make that moment more impactful and give it more weight and so on. So, um, yeah, I think it is extremely important. It's, a, it's an extremely important topic for realism and definitely something that a lot of video games uh, like FPSs and, and all can can um, benefit from. And of course they do. I mean, everybody working on an FPS is definitely leveraging all these things uh, to make the most out of it. And of course, a lot of the later developments with 3D audio and like you said, right, spatial audio, everybody's calling it. And now WISE and other... Um, Middleware is supporting more actively uh, the the implementation of, and the the the, the leveraging these these technologies and hardware accelerated audio like the Tempest in the PlayStation Five and the audio chip in the Xbox Series X and so on. Um, it's it's definitely helping even more now. So yeah, I got a quick question to Florian. Like you said, you have pre like so basically the distances. You already set them like in 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 in, in grids or something where you so you know automatically okay, this is going to roll off at 50 meters etc. But uh, how much do you like play with the realism? Like you know when it's when it has to be suiting the gameplay, for example, like details that you needs to be heard. Uh, the answer is gameplay wins. Like you know I want to make it as real as possible, but if that if that kind of sacrifices the gameplay, uh, then there will be additional layers being added to the sound prime example the good old priming the dynamite like the, you know that that was a troublesome sound because what happened is like we had occlusion obstruction so people were kind of charging those dynamites and were throwing them down into the basement so you didn't hear it until it kind of blobs in front of you and then explode so we added a sound which is completely unrealistically large and and you know unobstructed uh, no reverb so it's just this so you definitely hear it and and this is of course nicely massaged so it's not overly it's not a ui sound so to speak but it's it's almost like that and that of course yeah. help, um s same goes with with i don't know yeah a, a lot of let's say non-diegetic sounds um you know like the the, the gunfire of course like you have the the you know the uh the shoulder uh, impact so to speak like of course there are a lot of sounds which are only for the player or like i don't know legendary guns have a rawr, rawr sound in there like a growl just to make you more powerful but it has absolutely unique to any other player so a little bit of yeah, yeah tricks and, and, and tips here at the end of the day gameplay wins yeah project wins gameplay wins that's i think more, more important uh, yeah uh, well, one other thing that i would mention just uh on something that nima um suggested about the linear uh getting inspiration from linear media is that sometimes we didn't actually have attenuation in terms of volume as, at all it would just be spatialized and then you just mix the exact volume that you want especially for things far away because you know the player is always going to be far away so it doesn't matter if they're 200 meters or 500 meters it's this thing happening in the distance so that also helped control um a lot of the sound and yeah it just always sounds the same but you can visualize where where the 
for example, the sonic boom when it, uh, the meter has entered the atmosphere, it's the same volume for everyone everywhere. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to hear all your different takes. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I want to read more about it's like I think Alex Riviere, uh, uh, audio director on, on uh, in Ubisoft uh, Massive, uh, just released a book about uh, game audio mixing. I haven't read it myself. I, uh, he just posted it on on LinkedIn, so I will check it out. <laughs> yeah, Alex is actually coming on to one of our future episodes. That's uh, really cool to me. I'll have to ask him about that one. <laughs> exactly. He will. He will be. A, he will be a book about that. Awesome, awesome, cool. We'll uh, shift over to topic number three, which has been supposed by yourself, David. Um, the topic is what methods can you employ to create an effective work culture to get the most out of your team? So uh, give us your own thoughts on this, David. Yeah, I don't necessarily like the most out of my team. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's just the, uh, we are a bit of a, what is like, uh, uh, audio is a bit of a bastard in every production I've, I, I, I've, had to like you know i worked as a uh, as a post-production in, in canada and in the u.s and then as a salt mixer is all with the audio is kind of like the last link in the chain and then uh uh and i then i when i was uh, a couple of years ago uh, five years ago i went and did a master's in management like uh uh you know team management you know and 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 still being a bit obsessed with audio i kind of like to kind of thought that you know what I would like to see in audio my my audio team and in audio teams in general that are more like you know aware of of of, of, of you know the productivity and uh, and, uh, and 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 but I find it a, you know I find it a bit hard because it's kind of like a little bit imprinted in the core of everything it's like audio is just kind of there and they will will ready when uh when you know everyone else says be ready if you know what I mean so uh, so but me as a facilitator and as a team lead and a, a, a kind of like a, a, a leader as well, I'm trying to, you know, implement a bit of these kind of like things because, you know, I have people that are way much younger than I am and there's a totally different, uh, where you come from, you know, and how you deal with things. I'm a little more, uh, you know, I don't care about crunch and I, I have that kind of mindset. Amy, I would just want to uh, kind of pick your brains up a little bit about how you are leading your teams and uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, kind of like that. I was just I thought it would kind of be an interesting topic, you know, go a little bit away from the game audio itself and just about uh, actually how about you know uh, leading an audio team, uh, you know, create and 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 and, uh, and uh, nurture creativity. Uh, it's quite interesting because I actually had a slightly different impression of that question, which was how I would do it specifically within the audio team. But now that you mentioned, you know, within the entire team, um, from a sort of production standpoint, um, I generally try to give people ownership uh, very early on in uh, production, um, especially like, yeah, when there's kickoffs and any sort of meetings revolving around that, if there's any Slack channels revolving, uh, like including a feature or something like that, and try to push people to be as proactive as possible, ask as many questions as possible. Sometimes somebody will share some artwork, you know, concept art before the, the thing's even gone into production. And you can say, hey, set up your um, your uh, Reaper session or your Nuendo session, stick the artwork in there and chuck a bunch of sounds in there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be neat. Just make something, whatever, and then leave it. And then when you come back, you already have your collage of sounds that you can pick from. Maybe some gets taken out, some, some gets put in. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's basically trying to get your audio designers to be as proactive in the entire development of the um, the feature as possible. 
so they're there from the start and they're not getting surprised at the end going hey we have this entire feature um audio please and you're like oh wait yeah. it doesn't have hooks it doesn't have this i haven't thought about it you know all this sort of stuff um so that that's what i would do in terms of the the biggest the bigger picture but in terms of the audio um team itself like uh, templating file naming color schemes and folder structure uh, this is something that got drilled into me when I was working for Disney um, because we were working in the localization department. We did like 49 versions of a, a Disney film in like a month. It was crazy. So we didn't need, like, we needed to have everything completely locked down, files, like folders, structure, everything, so that anybody can hop on any film at any time. And I've tried to do that um, in the audio team here at Jaeger, and I've now sort of rolled it out on this new project with um, the, the other company we're co-developing um, and at first, most people are a little bit hesitant. They're like, oh, I don't want to have to rename all my stuff. And why? Oh, this is annoying, you know, whatever. It's breaking some of the links to this stuff. But uh, every single audio designer that I've worked with, uh, once this like system is in place where everything is nicely, neatly structured, the file named, we have, you know, colors in the template for, you know, Nuendo or whatever colors and whys, um, everyone's like, wow, this is amazing, you know. And, and then you can start getting people to talk to each other uh, you can move the project around. Somebody doesn't have to work specifically on one point. Um, somebody can jump in and they know exactly what it is because their folders are structured the same way somebody else's folders are structured. Um, and also what's really, really cool is even the people that uh, are a little bit against it to begin with, once they start using the templates and the folder structure, they start saying, hey, but actually maybe we should do it like this. And you're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Maybe we should do it like this. And then people start feeding in and, and your folder structures and your, your standardization, your templates get better and better and better. And everyone can chip in. And um, I really like seeing that it, it really works, um, yeah, wonders in, in, the, in the audio team. But that's just my experience. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I have a very structured uh, naming convention, etc. But you talked earlier about, like, try early to kind of, like, uh, uh, find a tone. Like, even though you have just a sketch, you know what I mean? It's that's like, whatever comes, to, you know, because we all, it triggers something in us, right? So, um yeah, actually, I find that pretty interesting. And that's something that I'm trying to do myself here. It's like, even though because we are like uh, kind of waiting, you know, for stuff, but what we can have, you know, could always spark a discussion and, you know, think, think, yeah, that's pretty, thank you. Yeah. I'd like to chime in there too, because they're, they're, you, Craig, you, you nailed you nailed a lot of things already. Um, I think, yeah, this, this strong ownership is exactly that. Like you, you get people engaged if they have the feel of contributing to, to a bigger thing and audio is, a, you know, a part of it in the whole production. Um, I think most most of my career I, I did spend, or I, I still do that. It's like being the audio ambassador, right? Just reminding people, like right? I'm a director, so of course you do with a lot of directors, and I always say like, hey, animation director, don't forget to include us. We're depending on your animations to be in sync. Hey, art director, do you have any concepts? It's early on, but hey, that's exactly that. We can do a little audio play. We can do the palette of sounds. We can already discuss. So there's so much stuff you can do upfront if you get the chance to work on it. And for the most part, that's the uh, which I think has, you know, really changed now. But like, I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, audio was treated like a post. Yeah, yeah, throw it over the fence. Someone will, you know, put some sounds on. Of course, the, you know, you, you get what you ask for. So, of course, the quality is like limited because there was just two weeks to get the whole game sounding. Um, and now it's understood that having audio as a core pillar in, in that production, at least with, you know, one or two people, it doesn't need to be a full-size team, uh, will really is a, is a, is a deal maker um, and, and gets everyone involved. Uh, yeah, the all automation stuff. Uh, it's like what was the the discussion? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to paint up areas anymore, right? Hey, programmer, tool 
developer can you can you do something for me right naming convention thank you it's like hey let's establish it one and and be happy with it um i think this is where where we all learned a lot on the production side of things uh you know becoming excel nerds as well to say okay we have, I have to somehow structure that you know the the gunshot v2 final from last night best sound file name is like nah not gonna fly um yeah but i think that that's the that, that's the most important and then connect people like get get away get away uh, being the middleman right i'm the director but who am i right it's like the people make the games right we got most likely it's not you alone doing it so uh, give the team the, the the level and and trust to 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 duke it off and uh, you know if there's like questions coming up it, you can still go up the ladder and say hey is that rather blue or rather red and then I'm fine to give my two cents but in the end it's more enabling other people to do their job and uh, mentoring helping them giving them feedback I think this is what also motivates especially you know young uh, young industry uh, colleagues to to get better at the, at the craft um, you do and uh, at least for me it was always motivating to see myself getting better or like oh this works or like or i'm still very pleased if something you thought of you know after all these months of pre-production and finally you you hear it first time in game and you're like hey that idea actually worked right so and that's cool that's really cool it's always exciting thank you for i think the one thing that i can add to what has already been said which i quite frankly i agree with both of you guys i think ownership is the best way to go about it in terms of production like you said of course there are the structure meetings and all of that and you can send your delegates and all that stuff but but it's it's the one thing that i can add to that is just that it's not there is not one right formula to do it right there is not like one way one step by step guide that you can follow because like you said it's a work culture right and work culture happens over the course of time and by just hammering on the same ideas and the same concepts of hey guys remember us it's audio your friend the audio guy because even in the in the biggest of the companies, um, as, as it is in the smaller of the companies, people tend to forget that audio is that important, right? And we are attached to absolutely everything. We are the one team that has dependencies everywhere, right? And it's very easy for producers or for other di or other directors to go about their stuff and then only come to you when when they need you. Like it's like okay, right? No features, no right. I forgot that we need audio to be able to give feedback to the player about this and that. So um, be like, like, like it has already been said, like be proactive and kind of like hammer on the same ideas all the time. And then as well, ask from them to come to you even before, right? It's like there is a meeting that we're holding, but I don't think it affect audio. And then whenever you hammer on the idea, like whenever you think that it doesn't impact audio, it most likely will. So please make sure that you have one of our guys there and then they, they will, they will. And then at some point it will happen that of course, then you get called to a bunch of meetings. For the most part, it would be just one small portion of that meeting or one in very little idea that is definitely going to impact audio and then you can do something about it but that makes it worth it already and then you are as well in sync with a lot of other things and then you can as well bring a l ideas on your, of your own into the table from an audio perspective like hey you know what i thought that maybe audio can impact this feature by doing this and then you start impacting the, the development of the game itself and stop being a reactive department as more uh, proactive and part of the design 
at some point. So, like I said, it's, it's it's not an easy thing. There is not one formula, and of course, this as well depends on the people you work with, the structures you have. If everybody's working remote, it's a little bit more complicated, and so on. But but it's something that you have to insist on the day to day, and just you know bring bring to the table every time you can. Not in an annoying way, but even you could do it on a funny way. Like, hey, yeah, remember me. It's yeah, it's so uh, it's very it's very interesting that Florian, the audio ambassador, and it's like you have to kind of yeah. push the thing forward. It's like and 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 not necessarily like no one thinks about it at the end of the day. It's like it's it just don't consider it necessarily or don't necessarily think about the process we need to go through actually to you know uh, design and uh, uh, produce. Uh, yeah, it's just to be, be uh, you have to kind of be waving all the time a little bit. Uh, thank you guys. It was great. Great input. Thank you. Just to throw us out to the room there, just to, on the flip side of the, the conversation there, do you think there are some common mistakes made in audio teams when it comes to culture and running teams uh, that can negatively impact the effectiveness, the outputs of uh, a team? Again, in an audio team, anybody who, any director or lead that micromanages the creativity too much, I mean, obviously you have to direct people. But if you're basically wanting people to make the sound that you would make and they're not doing it, then you know, eventually something's going to break. So you have to give people complete creative freedom and just try and mentor them as, as you know, as much as possible. Um, in terms of the, um, in terms of the wider project, I think, um, yeah, like everyone mentioned, you know, sometimes people just forget about audio constantly and that can also be frustrating. You know, you get left out of um, uh, kickoffs or even, you know, the pre-production or anything like that. Uh, so you're, you do eventually have to just, know butt yourself in and then you know that can also create problems with people and yeah so i think people are companies that understand the the workflow and understand what audio needs um, and understands that the sooner you get audio on board the quicker everything will be and actually a lot of the time the quicker production will be because if you're giving audio designers a whole bunch of stuff to do right at the end you know, either they're gonna have to do overtime or whatever it's it's gonna eventually drag on the production even longer so if you get people working on stuff from the, you know, first kind of tiers of production, you know, pre-production or prototype or whatever, um, it's going to be smoother for everyone. So, yeah. Regarding the culture question, though, it's like, uh, I think the audio, you know, it's not necessarily very, you know, that a little wee bit behind, I think. And, 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 and there is a, you know, there's always been a bit of a smart ass attitude, you know, uh, Kinda, you know what I mean? It's like it's. I think it's it's changing rapidly. You know what I mean? But uh, there's a type, you know. Uh, so I think it's yeah. I think it's changing. Um, there's no people, thing as a, as a city culture in any department. I would say. I think it's players are really notice how, the quality of games. Like I saw like Skill Up do an entire half an hour video about how awesome Hunt Showdown's uh, audio was. So like you know, I think studios are also waking up and being like, wow players really, really appreciate audio as much as visuals and VFX and stuff like that. So I think that only plays well towards our uh, discipline. Yeah. For the most part, a lot of those problems just come from the lack of understanding of how things work, right? So a good, like, you know, a, a little bit of education in terms like, this is how we can impact positively your game, but also like, this is what can happen when you, you know, easily forget about audio. Um, and then we cannot leverage as much the, our capabilities and improve the game like that. So it's just 
and and it's it's like an honest mistake from other people right because they are not the experts they don't know you just have to as well you know like like uh craig said you don't take it personal right and the, the uh negativism is is the, is the worst thing you can bring to the table so yeah it, it just comes from a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge and you can do lots to uh bring a little bit of light into those dark areas for those people very easily awesome thank you guys so we'll uh shift on to our final topic of the episode so it's been proposed by yourself Nimel, which is about the barrier of entry into triple a industry for game audio devs or audio post producers so just give us a bit of a background on on why you chose that subtopic and your own thoughts on it please yeah sure so um i've seen a lot of people so there are a lot of people reaching out to me uh on 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 LinkedIn especially and asking me like hey dude how did you do it how did you end up but, but the gig you have right now how how can I break it in break into the industry myself what are some tips and ideas or what are some art skills or soft skills that I have to improve or develop what worked for you and and this is an interesting topic to me because I like I said I I've come from a very big audio post-production background, but then I transitioned into game audio. And I know that there are out there a lot of people that have previously worked on audio post-production that are now interested in transitioning um, into 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 video game um, uh, development. And, and I think uh, maybe, you know, touching a little bit on some of the ideas that worked for some people, as well, you know, highlighting that it's definitely not going to work for everybody. And honestly, there is a good chunk of luck that you still need. But in the end, when you're doing things the right way, at some point, luck is going to hit you and you'll you'll get your shot. So I think this is the reason why I wanted to talk a little bit about this and, and um, yeah, like give a little bit of an idea of what are some things to keep in mind, what are some of the skills that you might already have that are going to help you that you can maybe improve and so on so i i thought as uh coming from if you are an audio person that is already doing game audio but has only worked on indie games like small games and so on what are the things uh, that can help you maybe break uh into the industry is uh, any work experience related to uh, or in a larger organization can help. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be specifically audio, but something that can show the people that are hiring, like, yes, you have worked as part of a larger team before and as part of a larger, a little bit more sluggish corporation in terms of how much bureaucracy there is involved, right? Because the bigger corporations are, the more bureaucracy you tend to have and so you you want to know and if there is someone that already has a certain amount of experience there that that could definitely help because the game audio side of things you have already done right you you have already experienced designing sounds and working with audio middleware probably and all that things probably even coding because a lot of people that are trying to to get into the industry are as well learning code and that of course is always helpful but maybe all those other things that they might have not considered right be a team player or show that you are a team player how you can showcase that whenever you're applying to a job can help great steal because of course these are large teams you know very very large teams hundreds of people working on one project and they want to know that you can do it as well and um if you come from audio post 
Um, so there are already a lot of skills that, you know, that you might already have that can help you. Like, for example, you're always thinking on the big picture, right? Because you're doing the sound for the whole movie, maybe on one area, right? You're doing just sound effects or you're doing just dialogue and so, but you're always keeping the story and what you are servicing in the back of your mind. So keeping that big over, like over the, you know, over the top view of the idea of what you're servicing, it's super important. That's good. That's going to help you a lot. And of course, you know now how you already know how to either design sounds or edit dialogue and so on. But if you're designing sound, then probably you might want to look into variations into those sounds because it does it did happen to me right when i was a sound designer i did have to design one super cool thing but just once i didn't have to design it like 10 times or 20 times because variations is not something that you do while you are editing a movie or a tv show unless you're going to of course you use that material and there are a lot more things there but for the most part like a big ass explosion or something like that, you don't really create too many variations of that. And that's something that you definitely are going to look into. And of course, like everybody has, or everybody will tell you to look into audio middleware, but now look a little bit more, a little bit beyond that as well and start looking to code. Doesn't have to be that you, you know, you don't have to be a programmer yourself to make it. But the more you understand, the, the better it's going to help you uh, try and get there. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, uh, that's what I have on that side. Well, I can, I can chime in and, and the, the audio tech I think is, is, is the best way to, to get a foot into, uh, into bigger corporations or like AAA. It's a bit of a wake, you know, a lot of indie games are AAA as well nowadays. It's just, it has shifted a bit. It's not this like complete, like you have the big budget titles and, but let's talk about yeah. If we say AAA, we usually mean like I don't know, big brand, like you know, huge scale project. Um, because the tech is something which is still yeah, like you know, knowing the audio middleware, as Numa said, uh, looking at you know the engines are out there, right? You have Unity, you have Unreal, I don't know, CryEngine. Everything is for free. You can download it, you can uh, mod it, you can you know, use one of the example projects. You know, Audio Kinetic has plenty of to to how Wise integrates with Unreal. You can play around with that. You can get. You can just get a hang of like ah parameters, how it implemented, how is real time audio working. All this is like a, a good solid foundation, uh, and you can use those projects as well to showcase. Because we what we do have in the in this well in the starter area into get, getting into the industry to begin with is like the the vicious cycle of you are a noob, therefore you have no experience. You have no experience, therefore you you don't get the gig. You have no gig, you don't get a credit. You have no credit, you have no reference, so you remain a noob. Right, so it's like you 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 want to break that, and eventually it's uh, there are multiple ways to do that. It's one, yeah, you know, get your reference projects from the from the from the board. They're out there. Uh, connect with other people in those engine forums because there's always like they're looking for audio people or, or like, hey, can a specialist help me on that? Maybe you get your little student project uh, sounding for that. Um, or go to conferences like there are smaller indie conferences or, or bigger ones like the GDC in San Francisco. Um, and just connect with people. And uh, if you if you keep doing that and and learn the craft uh, of of the especially the audio middlewares and how they you know intertwined with the engines is and the nowadays engine as well like they they are script based right there's in Unreal there's blueprints so you can pretty much script your own sound and how it's been triggered. Um, and when I started we 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 had no idea right the first thing I used was FMod Designer back then and there, I think there was not even a documentation. Uh, so it was a lot of uh, click, click, let's figure it out. And nowadays it's like you watch 
five minute YouTube videos about how to do this, how you make music, how you do this. Uh, it's it's so nicely portionized, you know, to 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 swallow and learn. So I would definitely recommend that doing. Of course, if you have already a huge background on, let's say, post and and like senior, like in a in a let's say in linear media, and you want to transition to AAA, it's a bit harder because, of course, it's this valley through you, you're lacking that implementation tech side and the experience, maybe working in a in a big company. Um, there, I have I have no golden rule there. It's just probably have you have to take a step back in your career and say, okay, I start as an, I don't know, intermediate or I, I really learn uh, that part uh, and then I continue to grow in my career. I think I can also just talk a little bit about how I got into the industry as being probably one of the most junior out of the <laughs> all the designers here. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, recently uh, made it into the industry in quotation marks. Um, but yeah, I was basically just trying to get all the YouTube videos I could possibly find, I, I think, now we're in such a great time where, okay, um, the barrier, entry barrier is pretty high, but there's so much information on YouTube. There's so many like talks and tutorials. Um, so just lap everything up. You get, as Florian mentioned, uh, Unity and um, Unreal are free. Definitely get your hands on the, the um, engines. So you're not just thinking about audio, it's much broader. I was doing tutorials on like animation and VFX and other stuff like that really really helps because then when you speak to those departments the bfx department the animation department you already know their kind of workflow even if you're not good at it at least you've seen it before and it's not uh, completely shocking when you open up the um the editor um yeah and i also came from a um well from disney uh, just doing dialogue editing but the whole time on the side i was um as you mentioned again florian i was looking on Facebook for indie game groups and stuff like this and just asking anybody, hey, I noticed you uploaded a video of some little animation thing. Um, it doesn't have any sound. Do you want a sound designer to work on it? And, you know, 90% of the people said no, but 10% said yes. And I asked a lot of people, so that was quite a lot of responses. Um, and, yeah, and then I just went from there. And, and eventually what I started doing was actually uh, making my own video tutorials. Um, I mean... I would be very happy if people learned from me, but it was more of a flex to be like, hey, look, look what I can show you how to do. Um, so when I was going up to um, studios and saying, hey, I want to work for you, and they were like, what can you do? I could show them a tutorial. I could be like, look, not only can I do this, I can teach people as well. Um, so yeah, building your own little portfolio of stuff that you've done is the utmost important. Um, going back to what you uh, mentioned, uh, Namel, um, was that... Uh, you know, if you come from a small indie uh, developers, maybe making mobile phone games or something, um, that shows that you already have some of the tech knowledge. But what I would then look for is a really awesome showreel. So, you know, strip the audio from a movie that you like or from a high budget game, Call of Duty or something huge, and then put all your own sound effects over it. And then you can be like, look, I know the tech and I can also make super awesome sound effects. Because um, I must admit, normally when you see people apply from... Uh, mobile phone studios or like these more cutesy games i think well i don't think you're going to fit in um but if you have an awesome showreel then that's already your um your ticket in or at least for an interview um yeah and then also i think if you want a job in the industry you have to get a thick skin because 99 percent of people are gonna say we don't need your help we we have a sound designer you know i interviewed and got my hopes up at a lot of companies criterion uh, cd project red Sumo, Play Magic, <laughs> there's countless ones, and I envisaged envisaged my life, you know, in another country, making sound effects for a living, and and then you know eventually they're like, oh, sorry, we went with somebody else. 
Um, and it took years and you just have to make sure that you learn from every interview. Um, what, what did I do well? What did I not do well? Um, make sure you get feedback on your, um, on your tests. If they give you a sound design test, say, I want feedback, please tell me what I did wrong or what I could improve on. Um, and then just try and improve for the next one and yeah, just keep at it because it, it might take years. Don't, don't, don't give it a couple of weeks or a couple of months, like give it three, four or five years. If six years, maybe you should think about a different job, but <laughs> you know, uh, it, it takes a long time. So just stick with it. Yeah. I can maybe elaborate on that. It's like, I used to work, uh, like at a post house doing ads, advertising, and it was always like, you know, I was emphasized on like, you know, uh, build your reel, build, build your book. Basically it was like everything you do. And, uh, uh, so I got into gaming. Uh, I did a little mobile game, which got me into Unity, you know, just as a favor, more so. And then it led to where I am now. But uh, this one project that I did in 2004, I did a TV commercial for Need to Speed Most Wanted in America, a sound design and, uh, and the music. And that's, that has got me a long way in this industry, just by showing that on YouTube. <laughs> you know, but uh, it's all to build your book, build your portfolio. I think that's very important. It's like everything you do, it's like I can get a little story. It's like one person that I know was applying for a job, worked at a company for, for some time actually, and nothing happened. And that person had nothing to show for two years of their lives. You know what I mean? So it's like, even though you're taking screenshots or recordings or whatever, just, you know, for your personal inventory of stuff that you do. Yeah, that's one of the frustrations I hear a lot of is people trying to build up their portfolio, working for maybe smaller studios, working for freelance gigs and they can't really get anything onto their portfolio because of projects being cancelled or NDAs or whatever. Um, but then it's finding the time to work on things in their personal time as well. So is there really an answer to, to that? I mean, there are, there are a lot of free resources. Um, to try and get that work that was cancelled, and I don't think there is an answer for that, you're kind of screwed there. But there are a lot of free resources. There are a lot of free games that you can just go ahead and scrap the sound and do it all over right i mean for us in audio is rather easy craig gave a really interesting uh, example of what people tend to do right they just take a capture of a game they just strip the sound and they they recreate it which i sometimes have mixed feelings depending where you come from but if you're coming from a mobile company like like you said already if you're if you're coming from a place where this is not what you're doing but this is what that company is doing you you can definitely showcase that you can you you can do it like that uh but for the other part implementation and other things you can take many of the multiple resources that are already free for unreal engine or for unity strip them out of their sound and then just put your own show what tech uh, thing you did there or t or a tiny system that was not in there that maybe you know all those all those things are going to help you come above uh, the competition and then always as well keep in mind maybe you had it all but then there was another candidate that just had a teeny tiny uh, advantage over you because of maybe sometimes location or whatnot right so it can happen and and you have to be aware of that like i said there is there is a spit there is a bit of luck that has to strike you as well that so that you land the position but, but if you're doing what you need to do and all of the things that were mentioned here are part of that process, at some point, luck is going to strike you as well and you might be able to get your way through and then show what you're worth and yeah, make your way through it. Yeah. 
Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. I think we'll we'll wrap up the episode there. So I just wanted to say a, a quick thank you to you for listening to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. And a big thank you to our panel for taking their time today. Craig, Florian, David, Jamel, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us and providing your insights to today's topic. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to welcoming you again very soon.